Today's New Testament reading is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the tenth chapter. Then, turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You, go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an odd question. If you know anything about inheritances, you know that you can't do anything to earn them. It would be like one of my girls asking me, Hey, Dad, what do I need to do to get in on the inheritance? Um, nothing. You're, you're already in the will. But this question makes perfect sense if you're talking about eternal life like it's an application. You can almost imagine this lawyer who asked Jesus the question kind of in heaven's eternal life department filling out all the paperwork. Love the Lord your God? Check. Be charitable to your neighbor? Check. Remember the Sabbath day? Check. Fills in a couple more lines, then sends it off to God's central office and waits patiently. If you're chuckling to yourself a little bit, 
it's probably because there's some truth to all of it. We may not fill out an application, but we all mentally keep track of the good things we do. We remember all the get well cards that we send to people or the sacrifices we make for our kids. Or you think about the mission trip that you went on. We all keep mental lists of this stuff. And why? Well, so that we can prove to ourselves and to others that we're really pretty good people. Truth be told, we're really not that different from the lawyer. But Jesus is abundantly clear that you can't put together an application for eternal life. There is no interview process. And Jesus is not telling this parable, the Good Samaritan, so that we can check off all the right boxes on our eternal life application. He tells us this parable to radically realign our understanding of mercy and salvation. The most common mistake we usually make when we read this parable is that the first person we identify with is the Samaritan. But that's a mistake. Now, it's not to say that we're never the Samaritan. And if you want to know how you can serve your neighbor, there are enough good works in here to keep you busy for the rest of your life. But of course, that's another sermon. Right now, we need to see ourselves as the man who fell into the hands of robbers. We are the man who was beaten and helpless and left as good as dead. Because, frankly, we were as good as dead. Ephesians chapter 2 says it so clearly. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were the ones dead on the side of the road, dead in our sin, dead in our wickedness, helpless, hopeless, lost. And this is a hard pill to swallow. Because frankly, we'd much rather see ourselves as the hero. You know, the Samaritan is the one who comes to the rescue after all. That's who we want to be. But if we refuse to believe that we are the wretched and helpless and dead one, then the parable of the Samaritan, good Samaritan, gives us no comfort. It can do nothing more than provide us with an impossible role model that we can never imitate. But if we have eyes to see that we are the man who is as good as dead, then we will see who the true good Samaritan really is. The one who has come to bind up our wounds and who brings us to a safe place where we can be restored and who pays for our ongoing care. The good Samaritan is first and foremost Christ Jesus. Just like the man on the side of the road we have become objects of Jesus' mercy. We are the ones to whom Jesus is a neighbor. You know, we didn't earn this. We filled out no applications. We provided no resumes. We were dead. And he had compassion upon us, becoming one with us, born, dead, and raised. And now we have an inheritance as a gift, life forever. Amen.